Hi, I'm Scott. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. I'm visiting from, this is my first time here, like I said, I'm visiting from New York City. And I do qualify for the 100 pounds meetings because I have lost well more than 100 pounds. And I, I've been in program now for 20, over 26 years. My current, I'm a relapse survivor. My current abstinence now stands at, at, eight, at a little over 18 years. And and I and for the past 15 years, I am maintaining a 360-pound weight loss, coming down from a top weight of about, of about 550 pounds. And that's where, where I'm coming to. And it's, it is an entirely new life for me. And, you know, and sometimes I don't know what to do with it, but I'm learning that in program. My, uh, my eating disorder came out not as early as some other people. I was about nine. I was overeating at the, you know, when I was away for the summer, I learned to go to the concessions and charge everything. So until my father had to put a limit to say he cannot charge anything out without permission. And I was not about to ask for permission to go binge. So it drove me crazy, but with all the physical activity that I had during that summer, I still came home heavier. And you know, heavy to where I was concerned for my parents, my doctor. And the following spring, I got put on my first diet. It was just three meals a day, nothing between. I wanted the approval of my parents, my doctor, and that's the only reason why I did it. The, the, but in the meantime, I learned to, but when I went off, I learned to be a liar. I learned to, to be a thief. I, was, I took money from my father's pants pockets, my mother's purse to get to get my stash. And also I never learned to handle money because I was always spending extra money on on the food. On the food issues. When I when I started to have lunches in school, when my mother went to work, she would give me about at the time about fifteen cents to get a glass of milk for my uh, my meal with the lunch that I brought, and, and I learned to spend it all on food. There was a, a candy store right next to my school, and when somebody told her, I saw your son eating, I lied and said I was still hungry, so she gave me a little more money, and I learned to be sneaky and just get what I wanted and walk off the site and just go eat it. Now, at the time, I was not, I was heavy, but not that heavy where I could not participate in sports. I played, you know, six years of little, of little league baseball. I was a year of junior high school softball. And despite the fact of being a little heavy, I was, I was fine. I carried my weight very well. And, and to, to where I was, I was a good ball player. But during the teenagers, I was still, I was still binging my head off, you know, through the day and gaining the weight. I was so hard on my clothes. It during the two years of junior high school, I can't tell you how many pairs of pants that my that my parents had to buy me because I was wearing the the, the pants out, you know, between the legs because I was that hard on clothes. I graduated and I eventually graduated from a children's store to an army and navy store. To, to a big man's store and eventually just a simple 
you know, online catalog, you know, for my clothes, I got to the point where I had trouble fitting into the behind the desk at school. At that time, during the 60s, most of the 60s, they were the wooden desks where you know, they opened it up from top where you could put your books in or whatever, and so they were fixed. And I was really scraping against the front of the desk for that. And even my teacher was still saying, you should lose the weight. She, my teacher would also say, he's doing well in school, he could do better, I don't see what the problem is. The problem was that the food was clouding my way of thinking. It got me to the point where I was very disinterested in school. All I wanted to do was go home, eat what I could, and just sit in front of the TV sets. That's all, that's all I really wanted. And eventually, you know, I went to summer school all four years because I, I had no concentration at all in school. I went to summer school all four years. And eventually, I spent a couple of years in, in, in um, college. I just dropped out. I was existing merely on, on a couple of seasonal jobs that I had plus unemployment. And that was the mere existence of my life and living at home and not really doing anything. I also had the body image issues. You know, I kept, I dated very little through those years because I felt who's going to want to date a person my size? You know, and I can't do anything. I can't offer anything. And I found out years later that it was quite, that it was quite different. I just couldn't see myself at it. And my first successful diet, it was a commercial plan. They gave you loads of food to eat, the, um, the low-calorie stuff and whatever. And I started following it because I felt I couldn't get it on the scale. I never went to the meetings. And my mother and I was thought it was so funny. We were bypassing each other on the way to the kitchen or coming out of the kitchen because we had to get everything in each day. We weren't about to give anything up. I was totally obsessive about the food. But I was eating no matter what and still losing the weight. And still losing the weight. And, but, but eventually, I could not stick to it. I walked into that. I walked into that commercial plan a little over 400. I was like a star. I lost a hundred, about 120 pounds the first time and gained it back. I lost a 200 pounds the second time and gained it back. Once I started to lose it again, I felt a lot better about it. I was dating and eventually met, uh, met my, uh, a young lady who had become my wife and she knew my food history, but she liked me anyway. She didn't care about the fact that I was heavy. And in fact, she had mentioned that years before that, when she saw me, she said she didn't care about the weight and I just couldn't accept it at all. It went in one ear and out the other. But now that I was married to her, I had a, I started to pinch my head off. And now I was talking to her about what I was eating, where the money was going, and everything else. And eventually she was 12-step oriented, being that she her her ex-husband was an alcoholic. So she was 12 step. And she said, please go. And I went. I just sat there like a lump on the log. Our neighbor was in OA. She shared with me her story. And they were furious when I would not share back. I never had the ability to be honest. I did not have the acceptance to really be honest 
be honest. And eventually I stopped going to these meetings and eventually somebody had told her, and I was lying to her about going to the meetings. I told, I can't, I remember so many of the qualifications and I told her the qualifications over and over. She never remembered. And I kept, I kept such careful track of the steps so that I could tell her we went over step one, step three, whatever it was. Until finally one day, and someone from the neighborhood blew the whistle. They said he was coming home early and he was stuffing a candy bar in his mouth. That blew the whole thing. She knew that she couldn't do anything. Eventually, we I became so heavy that I could, you know, vacations became nil. We couldn't go away on vacations. I couldn't fit in the airline seats with the trays or with the extra extension seatbelts. I could not fit behind the wheel of a car. I would just start spending vacations in the city because I became so heavy and I could barely walk. What eventually eventually happened was that somebody told me about a treatment center on Long Island. And they said, thank you very much. I'll think about it. Thought about it for about a second and a half. And it it was out the window. It took me another two years to finally realize the diets aren't working. I can't do anything. I am absolutely powerless. That stint in way really stuck with me this time. And I went into that treatment center and I figured I would dry out and go right back to the commercial plan. They said, forget it. You will be going back to OA. Here's the food plan you will be following from now on. And I readily accepted. I did not fight them on it. I came back to my first meeting. I came to a meeting that I originally started with. I took on a sponsor. I took on for the steps. I took and I was given a very nice gift. Somebody right away nominated nominated me to be the treasurer in that meeting. So I got very hooked onto the doing the service to keep me there. I did the service whenever I could. Treasury, the literature. I was able to leave meetings, to speak meetings, and going to intergroup. But I was following it still haphazardly compared to what I'm doing today. And eventually, after 14 months and a 225-pound weight loss, I came home one morning, and you know, our marriage was really shaky. There was a note on the table that said, said, please keep doing what you were doing. You never looked so good and you could do better than me. Something told me, check the bedroom. She was in the bedroom. She was in bed together with an empty liquor bottle and an empty bottle of prescription medication. It was, you know, she tried to take her own life because she had been, you know, she was in so much pain herself. And right away, I got her to a hospital and within the first two weeks that she was in the hospital, I came across a, a store that said three cookies for a dollar, and I just went for it. And I was not working that program. I did not reach out to anyone. And I and eventually I was in a seven-year relapse. And I lost I had lost my job because I couldn't work. Our marriage ended. I was on disability and still constantly gaining the weight more and more and more. I just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop eating. Now, and I and people, but I never stopped going to meetings. I still kept going. I still tried to do whatever service I could do. You know, I, I would share with me. I would sit there. 
as as heavy as I was, I was still able to. I still made sure to get to some meetings, despite the fact that I was now housebound. I had handicapped transportation, and eventually, I wanted to get into another treatment center that a friend was in, and she did very well. Only my insurance would not pay for it. They said you were in treatment before; it's not going to work. I said I'm housebound. How do I get out? They got me scoot one of these motorized scooters, and I broke the isolation. But now, instead of ordering in foods every day, I was getting out for the cheaper binge foods. You know, I couldn't win. But two years later, this treatment center got me in. Now my father was very sick. I was taking more care of him than I was myself. When they said you could come in, I went to my father. I said, "They they're taking me in." You're gonna to have to take care of yourself, and he gave, and he voluntarily gave me the money to go down there with the airfare and money, and I went down there. The the thing, the two, the one thing I was really scared of. First of all, was they took me off sugar and flour. These days, I couldn't even look at the sugar and flour. They taught me how that we lived in residential apartments. We learned how to cook. I keep up with the army and do our own shopping so that we could just take it back home and do the same thing and do the same thing home. They taught me put your own recovery first, and and right in the middle of those of the time I was there for eight weeks, my father was. I found out my father was going to fire his aide, his aide, and tell me to cut my treatment short. I wasn't going to do it. The recovery came first. And eight weeks later, eight later, I came home. I did my sh- my first absent shopping. I had my first absent meal alone. I just kept doing what I was doing a day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. I lost my mother during my first recovery, and I made it through this. Sh- I'm Jewish. I made it through the same shiver very absently, with t- trying to take care of my father. My father tried to knock me off, you know, because he wanted. His help first. I was still absent a day at a time. I took on serve. I learned to weigh and measure my food religiously, which is something I still do today. I took on service, and within the first part of my service, my intergroup chair said, "We have an opening for a region rep. Are you interested?" And I started going up to Albany for the region business conferences. To represent my intergroup, and I also took on positions at the intergroup as I became more active. Then it, it escalated. Somebody said, "We have an opening for a World Service delegate," and your name came up. That's all they had to say. For the next four years, I went out to World Service. It was a grueling schedule, but it helped strengthen my recovery. It helped strengthen my recovery, and as And I've learned not to think of this as a diet. It's just a food plan to keep you abstinent a day at a time, and that's all it was. And that's all it is. And the weight started to come off. I started. I I became more mobile to where I could got rid of that scooter. I I was able to walk now. I can't believe how much I was able to walk from someone who could not walk across an apartment. Without being in pain, I, I walk in excess of five miles a day. 
day. Now, also, during that first part of the recovery, I had gone back to work. I was able to get a job, but but the job was strenuous. My my supervisor was a workaholic. I was doing the job of three or four people, plus taking care of a sick father, and I and I couldn't handle it. It was a, literally attacking my recovery. I was really feeling the food calling to me. And after some soul searching over one weekend, I went to my supervisor on a Monday and said, I have to, I have to resign from the job. I felt I have to give up the job rather than give up the recovery. It's as simple as that. Nothing is so important. And in a way, in the long run, I was very well rewarded. Unfortunately, two weeks later, my father passed away and I made it through again very absently. When it was time to go back to work, I was able to get back to work through a state office and to get a long lasting permanent position. And these days, my coworkers know where I'm coming from. I never kept it a secret. I've looked, I like to feel that I kept the, that I kept the Tupperware company in business because I get the plastic, the plastic containers and I literally take my lunches to work with me every day. I made sure that they had to, when I got the job, I made sure they had to refrigerate it and a microwave. Very important. And they did. They did. Now, the, now and I was getting rewarded because it was very, very early in that employment, I had an email from the director of my department and he says, I'm buying breakfast next week for the for the department. Knowing how carefully you eat, what can we get you? Now there was some civilian, a very rare civilian support. Every once in a while, they were able to get something where I could have your know, lunch when it went in lunch. But I was able to have it. And we all had lunch together. If they couldn't, I had my own lunch as a backup. They had whatever they wanted. I had my own lunch. They can't see how I could do that every day, but they don't know where I'm, but they can't seem to understand fully where I am coming from. You know, really where I'm coming from. Like I said, these days, the recovery comes first. I am very active still in intergroup. I lead my meetings. I enjoy speaking. I am very active with my intergroup's retreats every year. I've been very active with our conventions. Convention. I, I even had the pleasure of speaking at, to some medical students at the hospital that I worked for, where they were taking a, having a workshop on eating disorders, and I was able to share with them my experience of where I was coming from to try and educate them. Now during this time, also, my father kept pushing, along with the doctors, why don't you get the gastric bypass surgery? Even though I was in relapse, I had enough recovery to know it's not going to work for me. I was still obsessed about the food. I'll find a way. And over the years, I've learned not to be judgmental about anybody who's, who's actually considered it or gone ahead with it. I've learned that because, you know, while it's not my cause, it was in theirs. It was in theirs. So I'd like to leave everybody here. I, I'd like to... Stop here. I would like to hear from everybody else. Thank you.